listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Welcome in to another episode of the Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. As always, I'm your host, Don Knock, joined by my fellow host, Prodigy. Prodigy, say what's up. Hey, what's up, everyone? You can find me at Prodigy on Twitter without the Y. Everything I do from podcasts, live shows, to articles will all find itself like there. Perfect. And today we are joined by a super special guest. We have Cam, aka H-Town Cam. Cam, go ahead and say what's up to everyone and tell everyone where they can find you. So Rockets fans, H-Town, Rockets fans around the world, at H-Town Cam, follow me on Twitter. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it, appreciate it. So today, uh, we're just kind of having an improv episode here. We just threw some stuff together for y'all, but should be should be good. Um, we're going to touch on Jalen Green's return, some Christian Wood talk, KPJ coming back potentially in the next couple games, um, Shingoon and the Rookie of the Year race, and then we're going to circle back around to something we touched on a little bit last time, you know, media members as fans, and then uh, a little bit of the spaces stuff. So, you know, starting out here, you know, Praji, you didn't really get to talk about on the last one. Me and Zach Allen kind of kind of took over that second segment. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts on the media members being fans? You know, if you want to if you want to <laughs> disclose some of the DMs we've been having with some of the people recently, you know, feel free make it a little spicy but um what are your thoughts on that go to you first i mean yeah uh first off i just wanted to say if if any of those guys are listening like i'm sorry i didn't mean to like make a big deal out of nothing i didn't mean to start like huge thing for for cloud or anything i just was surprised because where i live the main sport is i mean i'll call it soccer um and usually the reporters and all the personalities on the media around the team are usually either past players or past executives or something like that. So when I came into the NBA, I thought it was the same deal. Like people that were fans of the team or worked with the team covered the team. Um, so I was, that's why I was surprised. I, I, I've got no problem with, with people not being fans of the team. I've got no problem with, I mean, I've got no problem with anything. Uh, but I just wanted to, for, for the people out there there that were like like flaming Kelly Igo or Ali Khan or stuff like that, I feel like those guys just, just really can't be fans of the team, you know, because even if they were beforehand, and a lot of those guys were, because if, if, you've, if you've stuck around long enough, you know those guys used to be fans, but they have to be impartial and they can't, it kind of hurts their credibility uh, for the world out there if they're fans of the team they cover because it will if you know someone's a fan that even if their takes are, are as reasonable as they can be you always if you're a fan of another team you always think that they're being biased and they're like hyping up the guys too much or something like that so so yeah it was pretty much that i just wanted to to apologize for for, for making that big of a deal of something that really wasn't and i mean i guess plenty of people didn't know as well and um it really isn't worth uh, that's something that's pretty common uh, in the NBA and it's really not a big deal for sure so cam let's go over to you now so you know i think 
I think now's a good time to kind of give people a little bit of your background. Um, you know, you, you did want to talk about this subject as well. We talked a little bit before we started recording. So um, give the people a little bit of your background and then I'll let you go on, you know, the media's fan thing a little bit, and then we'll get into, into some of the more stuff we talked about kind of beforehand. So go ahead and, and start there. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so I used to work in sports myself. I, I got a master's in sport admin and did some media relations work for Miami Hurricanes, Oregon Ducks, and then uh, Houston Rockets and Houston Texans. But I did, didn't do media relations for them. I was marketing assistant. Um, but I wanted to touch on this subject because having worked in press boxes and working with media members, I was pretty confident that a lot of these guys probably are fans. Uh, they just can't say it. In a press box, you're not allowed to cheer or root for any team at all. So it's like silent. Um, not silent, but no rooting, no cheering. So um, you can tell by some of the writing and their tweets that these guys are invested in the team and that they care. They actually are fans. But like Prod said, it would hurt their credibility to outright say that, that they're fans. They have to be uh, impartial. So, um, yeah, that was that was my take from from working in media relations. But, but yeah, my time with the Rockets worked games and events um, for one season. And then I moved over to uh, being a game ops team member. So I was down there on the court doing everything that's not basketball. So halftime show, national anthem, uh, the contests, promos, things like that. I would help coordinate them, set them up, choose the contestants. Uh, and I got to be right down there on the court uh, by the tunnel where the visiting team would walk out um, and did a lot of events with the team still. So it was a good time. It was nice being down there on the court. Didn't get paid very well, but I got courtside season tickets. So that was worth it. As in, plus for sure. as in that was the job to be down there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just to circle back a little bit, you know, when we talked to Zach Allen last time um, we did the pod, he kind of said something similar to what you touched on there. He said that there was one time and he was, you know, in the press section and something happened and, you know, he got excited and started cheering a little bit. And the, the Rockets PR people came over and were like, Hey, you know, you gotta cut that out. Like you gotta, you know, be professional and, and things like that. So, you know, flows right. Exactly. With what you talked about there. Um, going more to the game ops side, right. You know, this past season, Clutch the Bear was voted the mascot of the year. Um, you know, did you do, were you involved in much of the stuff with Clutch at all? Did you have interaction with him? Uh, do you know if it's the same person that, you know, is Clutch now that was there when you were there? I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because you reminded me of one of my favorite Rockets memories, but uh, it's actually not the same person anymore. Gotcha. Uh, the guy that was clutch when I was there, his name's Robert Boudwin. He was clutch for, I think, over 20 years, maybe even more than that. Wow. Uh, he was, he's like the clutch that we all know and, and grew up with. The new guy came in and he's a lot more athletic. He does backflips and things like that on the court. Robert never did any of that, but, um, you know, both of them are, are great. Robert's like a legend in the mascot world. Um, and he was a really, really cool guy. He, he's got he's like covered head to toe and tattoos and i would hear that he would have parties and uh have tattoo artists there giving out free tattoos and things like that he was wow. he was a cool dude and um <laughs> one day i was uh, at toyota center like 6 a.m to record a local channel 2 news promo or something for 
some event, I think like the uh, dog walk or the rockets run or something like that. And clutch is just there messing around with us. We're having a good time. He's doing his uh, half court behind the over the head toss. He comes over to a group of us and he's like, uh, let's, let's bet whoever makes it first. Um, no, I don't know if I'm allowed to say we did it for money or not, but we didn't end up doing it go for ahead, money. Yeah. He was, uh, <laughs> he was like, so I said, yeah, let's do it. I get the ball literally swear to God, first shot over the head, half court. I swish it. And, uh, he looks at me and I don't know if I can curse on here, but he cursed at try, me. Try to keep it, try to keep it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to throw one out there. We can bleep it. He just, he just called me and he just called me an MF or in, in yeah. full clutch costume and walked away and that was <laughs> hilarious to me um but that was that was fun yeah well, that's really funny i have a question do you like i'm as i said I'm, i come from from an european sports background and these are not like not a thing like the award for the best mascot is really not a thing you know is that like something that just rotates for every mascot is it like merit related is it fixed mm. is it like something that i mean every team gets to be like the, the best mascot like once every like 10 years or something like that that's a really good question i i don't know but i don't think so because clutch slash robert actually won like several times so it definitely doesn't rotate for everyone i know that there's there are some that are considered like you know better mascots good ones and, and he was definitely one of them because he had several awards uh, that's a question. I don't. I don't even know what the criteria was for it. I just know that he got a lot of credit. So I'm looking at the the press release now for the mascot of the year thing. Um, it says Houston Rockets mascot is adding to the team's trophy case. Um, you know, came in in '95. That was the first year Clutch the Bear was the, the Rockets mascot. Um, first time he was named Rock mascot of the year was in 2005, and again in 2013. So you know, is there some rotation? It seems like. That was eight years and then another eight years. Maybe it is on eight-year rotation. But, again, that wouldn't make sense with how many teams <laughs> in the NBA, right? There's 30 teams. Um, Some of them are I, getting left out. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I don't think it's, you know, you know, pre-selected or whatever. I mean, Clutch is a pretty good mascot. I've seen some of these other mascots. And, uh, well, it's not that deep. But right, some of these mascots aren't out here doing some of the, the stunts and shenanigans that Clutch is getting into. They're, the game ops on the Rocket side is, I mean – you, you work there, right? You know, a lot of the stuff they do is really incredible, especially like the video stuff they do. A lot of the in arena stuff is just, if for the people that listen to this podcast, you know, that may be like prod, right? And they can't go to a game, you know, it's a very good experience being at the game with, like I said, with all the video stuff, with a lot of the, the in game stuff. And the Rockets, they've had a lot of things that have really hit for them that have gone viral. They had the, the videos a couple of times, of like the, the twin guys, like bigger dudes that dance. Yeah. They have the, the, the lady. Um, it's it's um there's a old lady and then her husband that they're always dancing on the screen the dance cam yeah um, the dance cam so they have some stuff like that that's kind of like almost like legacy things that have been you know staples in the rockets game ops thing for a long time so um i would i would say it's you know not predetermined like that i mean i'd say you know clutch is winning this pretty outright and if like you said he added the new dimension of like all the flips and and things like that all the gymnastics type of background stuff you know i think I would say he probably just won it out, right? The Rockets did a good job really promoting that, promoting that as well because, I mean, that's a big deal. Obviously, it's not – that's not something basketball side, but the team 
like when you think about it, right like the team is all of the things right it's not just the basketball side right you know like the power dancers or i think is, is it clutch city dancers now i think they used to be power yeah, dancers yeah so the clutch city dancers the the mascot you mean like even like the broadcasters right like the broadcasters aren't on courts things but that still affects your experience when you're you know, interacting with the team and the organization yeah, yeah so <laughs> I've got another question and maybe maybe this sparks up a story. What's what's like the most surprising thing you've ever like heard a player like say either in practice uh, before games or like in, in pure round or during the game that you're like, wait, did this just happen? Hmm. Surprising thing they said. That's interesting. Because, um... you know, uh, while I think about it, because we like at least from my side, we we watch them on TV and we hear from time to time they shout like some some weird stuff, but we we rarely get to see them as people, you know, until they they retire and they eventually join TV channel or something like that. We 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 rarely get to see them as people, and I think a lot of the opinions that people have on players is because they see them as this unreachable thing. They're like celebrities, and I mean I've heard plenty of stories saying that I mean they're just normal people. They just say like normal stuff and they interact with each other. Yeah, I mean, the thing that comes to mind uh, for me with that question is Dwight Howard. It's not necessarily one specific thing that he said, but I always tell people that Dwight Howard, um, actually after Marcus Mariota, it, Dwight Howard's the nicest athlete I've ever been around. Mariota is just like on a different level. He's like too nice of a person, but uh, Dwight was like super cool. So we're right there. You know, we're our area was by the tunnel by where the players uh, park and arrive at the stadium. And a lot of players would just walk by us every single day and ignore us as if we didn't exist. But uh, Dwight is the one player that always took the time to say what's up to us. He'd come over, he'd hang out, he'd joke around. Like one time he, uh, he saw my watch and he liked it. And he was like, yo, man, let's trade watches. And he had like this crazy, like fat iced out watch. And I was like, let's do it. And like, you know, I don't remember what he said, but he just cracked jokes a lot. So he was a really cool dude. So, um, you know, people used to hate on Dwight towards the end of his time here and when he left and still, um, but yeah. that's kind of something that, you know, regardless of what he does on the court, I always loved Dwight because he was such a good guy to us. Yeah. Just a personal story with Dwight, you know, not necessarily me myself, but there was a time back in, I don't know, whenever, whenever Dwight was here, um, he took a bunch of like kids from the area so I can't remember if it was like a main event or something along those lines and, you know, just paid for everyone's stuff and, and uh, kind of hosted that and had a great time. One of my friends actually got to go to that. So kind of just in line with your story, right. You know, just a really nice guy gives back to the community. And, and I think when he did that, it wasn't even like a team event. It wasn't even like they did a bunch of promo for it. It was just like Dwight Howard showed up and was like, Hey, I'm paying for all y'all stuff. Y'all Rockets fans. So y'all good money. But um I've heard that as a lot, you know, Dwight Howard was someone that got a, a bad rap. And I think some of it was the, the, the Superman stuff where it became confrontational with Shaq in a way that like, it didn't really need to, to happen just because he tried to take on that Superman persona as well. But uh, I have one beef with Dwight Howard. That's not related to what most people's problem with him is. I, I'm not a big fan of snakes. And I know, I think <laughs> back in the day, he had some crazy snake collection, like 20 or 30, like huge, enormous pythons in Houston. And I was, I remember back in the day, I was like, 
this guy's a menace. What if these snakes get out? He's gonna, <laughs> you know, disturb the peace of the community. He's like, what are you doing? But other than that, you know, no problem with Dwight Howard uh, from mine. I, I think it was like way out in the country anyway. So if yeah. they that out, it'll be okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think people just with the way that whole saga ended with him and Harden, I think that era really gets glossed over. Um, obviously, you have the game six, everyone goes back to where, you know, Harding was on the bench and people talk about Dwight in that way, but you know, he, he played well for us when he was here, you know, he wasn't, you know, prime shack type of production, but he already had the back problems and stuff like that. And so I think that is something that kind of gets you know glossed over and lost in Rockets history, but it's nice to, it's nice to know that at least, you know, he's a great guy off the court and, and things like that for sure. Um, Prod, do you have anything else to, to follow up on the, this segment? Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't have any more questions. I don't know if okay. Cam has any, um, any like stories that he, yeah, like, Cam, if you want to have any other stories, now's the time. And then um, after that, we're going to go wrap and move into segment two. So is there anything you want to say about, you know, Harden or any of those guys, any fun stories you got now? Go ahead. Um, yeah, I got I got one about uh, Josh Smith. Because yep. that's one of my favorite players of all time. Just like, I don't know, he's not the greatest, but personal preference. I love the dude. And I thought it was awesome when Mikhail gave him the green light and he just started jacking them and he had the confidence and he made them. So the story kind of has to do with that. So one of my duties was before the game, our duties rotated, but one game um, stand in the tunnel where the Rockets gather as a team before they run out and have these little plastic basketballs to give them to throw into the crowd. So I hold the bag full of those and they come and take it from me. Um, Smooth and Ariza were always the first two out of the tunnel and they would just stand there and play this game with the balls. So they try to like get it stuck on top of the exit sign. So I'd do that and play that with them sometimes. And so I talked to Smooth, and he was a really cool dude. And I talked to him about the the three point shot and how fans would sometimes like boo him before he even took the shot. So you know he would get it outside the three point line, wide open. You can tell he's about to pull up, and like some people are like booing, or you can hear some like chatter in the crowd and. He straight up told me, he was like, man, that stuff messes with you. Like that killed my confidence in Detroit. And like, I, you know, it, it actually like affects me and like on the free throw line too. And uh, he said that he was grateful to Mikhail for giving him the green light. So he could actually, you know, have the confidence, even if the crowd's making some chatter, he knows that his coach has his back and that initial confidence gave him enough confidence to, uh, you know, kind of shut the crowd up so that they stopped doing that. And that's, I think, why he had such a good season um, in his first year with us because he had that green light. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But I told him, this is, this is a random side note, but back in NBA 2K7, I would play with the Atlanta Hawks, worst team in the game. They're rated like 67, but there was a Josh Smith cheat code. I don't know if it's true or not, but I swear there was. You could steal every inbounds pass with smooth and dunk it so i beat people with the 67 rated hawks and i told him about that and he thought it was hilarious and uh yeah that was cool i just i thought it was cool that i got to tell that player from 2k what i did with him <laughs> no absolutely um it's cool that you say that about the the coach inspiring confidence because that's always something you heard about mike d'antoni too right it's like this guy really instills confidence in his players to go out there and you know have some of the best offensive seasons of their careers so it's yeah. cool seeing that side of it as well. And uh, just just a little kind of parallel story there. Uh, I did get to go to that Rockets Twitter meetup they did um, 
at it was in a suite at Toyota and we got to meet Vernon Maxwell. And, you know, I had met, I had met maybe one celebrity before in my life, but I was telling everyone, I was like, you know, I've never met celebrities before. I've never really talked to people like that X, Y, Z and Vernon Maxwell shows up. And the first thing out of my mouth is, uh, you know, hello, I'm Don. Um, I'm a big fan of your work uh, going after the Utah jazz fans. And this, his face lit up and he was just like, cause the Rockets are going to play the jazz next week. And he goes, Oh, we're playing the jazz next week. I'm going to let them have it. Y'all are ready on Twitter. And he just went at the jazz like 20 minutes. So it was, it was just crazy to see like, cause I mean, everyone sees Vernon Maxwell on Twitter, right? You know, all the things he, he tweets out about the jazz and, and how funny those so far, but it was crazy to see it. Like, you know, not, not quote, like the man behind the phone, right? Like, like he's really like that. He's really like, you know, I don't like the jazz. They don't like me. And, and that it is what it is. I'm going to get these tweets off. But, you know, that was, that was my moment kind of like what you're saying too, where it was like, you know, to, to kind of live out that experience of seeing what goes on behind the scenes. But um, yeah. that's going to do it for our first segment. When we come back, we're going to talk about Jalen Green returning against the Pacers the other night and a little bit about Christian Woods role in that game as well. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And we're back. Um, So moving along, last game, Jalen Green returned to play against the Indiana Pacers. He played 25 minutes was seven of 14 from the field for 50%, obviously six of nine from three for 66% didn't get to the free throw line, you know, going back towards, you know, what we saw in the first 10 games where he just wasn't getting any sort of calls two assists and one rebound Um, plus one of a plus minus. So pretty good debut from him. Obviously we saw the shooting really look like, Everything he worked on with John Lucas looked really good. Playmaking, he didn't have a ton of assists, but you know he had one nice assist to Shingoon, and then I can't think of what the other one he had was. I think it was just a, a um, like a one more pass along the three point line. But Jalen Green, you know, ball accounts was really good. The hamstring made it out of the game, you know, unscathed, made it out of the building alive, quote unquote. So, you know, Cam, we'll go to you first. What were your thoughts generally on Jalen Green's return? Um, think you looked good. You think he looked about where you thought he would be, and you know how are you feeling about him going in, into the next stretch of games? I mean, I thought he looked great. Uh, I was just happy that he got 25 full minutes. Um, you know, I, I'm not a, I don't know much about physical therapy, but whatever they thought was the right amount. I'm glad it was 25 because you got to get back in a flow, really like shoot the ball a good number of times. And, uh, you know, he was saying that it gave him confidence to see a couple shots go in and keep going. So now he probably has a lot of confidence that he got a 20 piece in his first game back. Um, so that was good to see. I mean, six and nine from three is, is amazing to see. Uh, I don't I don't know much about technique and shooting form and things like that. But from what other people are saying on Twitter, it looks like his has improved significantly in his time off. So that was nice. And um, that one dime to Shangun is hopefully a sign of a lot of great things to come. Hopefully we see that many more times. 
So I'm not a shot doctor. I just play one on TV. But to me, the <laughs> shot look, looking a little bit better. Um, I think just he looked like he was getting into the shot like more quickly and thinking about less. Because when we did a lot of scouting on him coming in, like a big point of emphasis for him was he would love to get the ball off the catch and then like maybe take a couple jabs, kind of look around and then pull it. He wasn't someone that was like, you see Garrison Matthews, right? Garrison Matthews gets the ball and it's going up immediately. There's no thinking about it. There's no hesitation. And I've kind of been thinking about this the last couple of games, but I would be interested on seeing numbers if they could track this type of thing, like second spectrum or, or whatever the case may be of when guys get the ball and then they either like wait or they may pump fake and then reset. I would want to see what the numbers are like on those type of shots, because we always hear that, you know, guys are better when they just get it and shoot it. And I, I think I test wise, you can generally, it generally looks that way, right? It looks like when the guy gets the ball and just goes up a lot more confidently, the shot looks better. There's less air balls, things like that. But I'd be really interested in seeing some numbers on that, but um, prod, you know, over to you, same question. How do you think about Jalen Green's return and um, how are you feeling about him moving forward in the next stretch of games? Yeah, um, I, I missed the little bit of the game because I had some stuff happening at the same time. But some, some quick thoughts is um, it, it goes, it's still, a, it's still a thing, even with the interiors that we have, that Jalen Green is in the game and doesn't get the ball for like long periods of time. And it, it, it's people just forget that he exists and he should be a priority on this offense and it just isn't. And I get that. I think Red94 was pointing out that he's playing with Feds and these guys know that they're better players than him so they're not going to pass him the ball in the clutch then. because it, it mainly happened in the fourth quarter last game. But, but that, that, that doesn't mean anything because if, if he's the guy that's hot, usually the, the, the concept is you feed the hot hand and they just didn't. So... I, I really wish, like, I can't wait for the deadline or whatever so we can trade some of these bad stuff and have, like, them really focus around the young guys. Uh, but besides that, I think his shot looked, for me, it looked quicker and he looked like he wasn't, like, pulling the ball so far down from, like, his stomach area or something like that. It feels like yeah. he was, like, pulling it a little bit higher up. Um, I, I talked about this when on our last podcast and said the guy that has that jumps so high on his shot usually gets thrown off by injuries because he doesn't isn't quite as calibrated as when to release the ball since he jumps so high. Uh, but he did fine. Um, something that's interesting is he, of his shots, I think he made six threes. Five of them yep. were from the top, the top of the key. And I'm looking at the, the shots so, so far for the season for him. And the top of the key is by far his best um play shooting the ball he's shooting 47 percent when he has the ball uh, on the top of the key from the wings he's like he's really bad from the left wing shooting 16 percent six of 37 he's okay uh on the right wing he's 11 11 of 35 and then on the corners the right one is a really low sample size just to six they made one last night so it was one of five before and he's four for 14 uh, on the left corner and i don't know it just feels it just feels like he should be the priority, and sometimes it just feels like he isn't. And if you just invested the top two pick on this guy, he should be above everyone else, the guy that you're developing. But I guess I guess we'll we'll wait for that. I think when looking at the game, he looked he looked quick. He looked he didn't look afraid. He looked confident. Um, 
it wasn't the best game to evaluate uh, him in the new spacing, just because when you have a shot blocker like Master, like Master, who is probably a top two shot blocker in the league, he's he's one of the best for sure. He really can't get a rookie's uh, scoring in the paint just because he has to alter a lot of shots. He, if he doesn't, he gets blocked like he did a couple of times. Um, so I think shooting wise, it's really good to see see him him shooting well. I, I look forward to next game to actually seeing um, him scoring in the paint because the Hornets are not a team that run a traditional big out there that can block shots. Well, also along with that, it's difficult for him to use the improved spacing when the Pacers went zone, right? Like that's yeah. zone is made to take away that type of driving and make you kind of either play inside out or um, really emphasize your three point shooting and not so much your, your driving to the rim. So that was limited as well. Obviously he got all the threes off. So they kind of neutralized that, but once they really went to the zone, I think that's when Jalen kind of stopped being involved in the offense. Um, and then obviously in the fourth quarter, it went to a lot of Christian Wood um, trying to create. And I talked about this on the space that we did after the game, but hold on, but sorry, my dog is over here jingling. But without like a true point guard out there, it really kind of devolved offensively. And you know, Augustine obviously is out there when he's playing with the second unit. And if he gets overlapped with the starters, sure. Shangun can be a really good facilitator, but again, someone who's not like a traditional point guard or even someone who's like on KPJ's level. So I think that hurt Jalen. And like you said, being a bunch of vets, some of these guys may be trying to play for, you know, a trade market or once they get bought out to get picked up by a playoff team or XYZ, but it, it would be beneficial for me and obviously for Jalen um, to get him more involved, especially in late game situations. When we talked about possibly making the play in, that was a lot of what we talked about, right? It's like, get him these late game reps, get him experience against defenses that are really geared, gearing towards him specifically. And, and that's what you want to see. That's what is going to really help him get better and improve. Um, you know, Cam, what do you think about those type of things, right? You know, getting Jalen those type of crunch time reps and, and how it looks kind of down the stretch in the Pacers game. Yeah, that's that's a, a big thing. That was my biggest gripe with uh, Coach Silas was that Jalen wasn't playing crunch time minutes for, for most of the early part of the season. Um, I think that's, that's a huge point. I mean, he really needs to get that experience. If we want him to be – our franchise guy, our main guy, like, like prod was saying, like, that's where, that's where he needs his experience. That's where he needs to show out. That's where he'll gain his confidence. And he hasn't really gotten those opportunities as much. Um, you know, we see it's been kind of a, a thing on, on Twitter with that new Christian wood cycle meme thing. Um, Took over for but, Daniel house in the Daniel house cycle. They were, yeah, quick, exactly. they were quick to make that switch. Daniel house gets waved and immediately. They're like, all right, Christian woods, the, the next guy in the doghouse of this thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he's taking a lot of late game shots and I think, you know, let's respect to wood, but I want to see Jalen get some, I mean, the one he hit over AD was beautiful. So let's get some more of those. Yeah, for sure. I, mean, I want to, I want to touch on something uh, before we move on. That, that's what, what's really like tickles me the wrong way. So I'm looking at 
um, Jalen's like four best games or five, he has five games this season above 20 points, right? And all of the, besides one game, he has one game where he had 23 points on 20 shots. When he had 30, he took 18 shots. When he had 24, he took 15 shots. When he had 21, he took 14 shots. When he had 20, he took 14 shots. Like for him to get a good scoring game, he needs to be incredibly efficient with the shots that he's allowed to take. Like this is not normal. You, you a rookie shouldn't have to, to be this efficient to score to score this much. It really feels like when he's hot. The team just doesn't feed him the ball. He, he's, I mean, the Boston game, he was eight of 10 from three and he still only took 18 shots. Like, if we saw, if, if we if we look at like Christian Wood or, or KPJ or, or any like um, primary, um, like important franchise centerpiece around the league, if they're hot, they're going to take 25, 30 shots if they need to because they're hot and that's how you develop them. You give them the ball more and you see what he can do. Like it feels like we cut the legs off of him way too much, and there's there's times where he he like scores ten points in a quarter, and then he doesn't see the ball for the next quarter. It's it's really insane that we we stifle him so much. It's extra frustrating because because coach talks about riding the hot hand a lot, and it, with Jalen he doesn't do it. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't do it. So, so with that, right, we saw there be a little bit of tension between Jalen and Christian Wood in the last game. And then the game before that, we saw a little bit of tension between Christian Wood and Armani. Um, you know, two games isn't, you know, long longitudinal study, like dialed in trend or anything like that. But you could say it's starting to go that way. We saw Christian Wood um, not so much last year, but going back to, the golden state game that's something that people have referenced a couple times now it seemed like he checked out of that game mentally as well christian Wood has talked about wanting to be a leader on this team and wanting to be like a franchise guy going forward Pro, you know how are you feeling about christian wood in that type of role and are you concerned about these latest string of, of interactions he's had with armani and with Jalen? yeah i'm doing my best to be in bar hill because you guys know, if you follow me, you know I'm an advocate for trading Christian Wood. But it's not a one-time thing. It's not a two-time thing. It's something that came along when we signed him. There were this, these concerns. And when we listened to, to commentators from their past team, from his past teams, they all mentioned that, hey, good on the Rockets, good on the Pistons for finding this guy. But when he was here, he was a problem. And he, they, they tried to like soften it up. But that, those were concerns when we signed him that he... And I mean, you see by his attitude, by his tweets, by everything, that he, it really feels like his level of self-awareness is not really there. And I wonder how frustrating it's been for him to be playing probably the best basketball of his career uh, and not winning. I, I wonder if this started, again, with Armani, who is, by all accounts, by what we see uh, on the team's social media, one of the, friendly, one of the friendliest guys out there. Uh, Jalen, who's also one of the friendliest guys out there, uh, and he gets into arguments with these two guys. Um, I wonder if it's the Rockets lost, I think, two of the last, I think they won, won two of the last eight games. Maybe Christian Willis like, got hopeful on the winning streak. And now he's seeing that the team's devolving back into those losing habits. And maybe maybe he associates the losing with, with Jalen or something like that. And that's why he's like being more... 
um, easy to to get angry or something like that, easy to trigger. Quick, maybe quick uh, to get angry. Yeah, maybe quick to get angry because he, he's been here since we started losing and maybe it's getting to him. And it's one of the reasons why you got to think about what you want to do with him because how much longer of this can he take? And he's not the guy that you altered the, the direction of your franchise because of him. So he's a good player. To get nothing like I take nothing away from him, but he's not the guy that you make decisions whether you're 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 going to like make win now moves or not because of him. So <laughs> just just feels like he's trying to he's trying to be too much, and I appreciate him trying to be a leader for this team. But being a leader is not reaching the fourth quarter like he's done plenty of time, times this season and deciding if you want to be Giannis Antetokounmpo or something like that because you just aren't. And sometimes it really feels like the team passes you the ball and you're supposed to pass it to the guard that's coming off the, the for the dribble handoff coming off a screen. And you just like wave it off, you ISO against your man, and you get a way worse possession than you would if you were running pick and roll, which is your best attribute with one of the guards. All right, Cam, how, how are you feeling about you know Christian Wood and his his leadership up to this point? Yeah, I think with Wood, he went from bouncing around the league to being the best player on his team pretty quickly. And I think that might have gotten to his head a little bit. Um, I think it's the difference between being the leader of a team and being the best player on the team. And he doesn't really know how to differentiate that, at least by his actions. Like, I, I haven't seen many examples of him being a good leader but I have seen a lot of examples of him showing really bad body language, giving up on games, being upset with teammates or officials. Which, I mean, everybody does that, but then he gets down on himself and you can tell he just like mopes a little bit after that. Um, so I don't know. And it, his response in the the press conference when I think, um, was it Sarge that asked him? I don't know. Someone asked it was, him. It was Big Sarge, yes. It was Big Sarge, yeah. He asked friend him the about show, uh, Friend of the show, Big Sarge. Shout out to Sarge. Um, he asked him about it, and Wood's response wasn't very reassuring to me, honestly. He he kept saying, I wouldn't read too much into it. So, it, I don't know. I feel like if he wanted to, like, get past it and brush it off, I wouldn't have said the, the too much. I'd just been like, no, nah, it was nothing. We're teammates. It was heat of the moment. Move on. But the answer wasn't very reassuring, and I don't know. I just don't think he knows how to be a leader yet maybe he was thrown into a position where he has to be with a rookie coach with a young team with vets that left him right away and it's kind of unfair situation for him but he's not doing a a plus job of it in my eyes to argue in christian wood's favor right because just with the way this conversation kind of flowed we have both of y'all kind of going the opposite direction here you know not everyone's leadership style is the same not everyone's leadership pathway is linear right you know christian wood may not be the best leader right now but that doesn't mean he can't work on it and grow um i think at least giving him a little longer leash right now to try to see if he can develop some leadership abilities you know giving him the role of like hey you know you're the guy who's been in the league a long time jalen green He's a rookie, you know, even though he is a franchise guy, right? You, you want to be able to lean on your vets and lean on your older guys that know the defensive calls in the NBA and know the, the system. 
Christian Wood is a guy who played with coach Silas in Charlotte, right? So he does have a, maybe a little bit of familiarity coming in with Silas's system from before this year that someone like Jalen green doesn't have coming from the G league and things like that. But the Christian Wood conundrum is going to keep rearing its head until he either gets extended once obviously his deal has to run out and then they assign him to a new one or, or traded. But until they have to make that call, I'm okay with them giving him development reps in terms of trying to be a leader, trying to do things like not necessarily take over, but try to score in late game possessions because these are really low stakes possessions anyway. Right. If we lose this year, if we lose the rest of the games of the season, it's not the end of the world because we're going to get a great pick this year. We don't owe our draft pick to Oklahoma city the way we did last year. And conversely, if you give Christian with these reps and it goes well, you know, you, we've seen guys grow from, you know, lower tier players into, you know, a lot better players. Think of someone like Jimmy Butler, right? Obviously, Jimmy Butler's demeanor is substantially different than Christian Woods. Jimmy Butler's a guy that, you know, really came from nothing. He had, you know, personal struggles growing up and things of that nature. But he came into the league very late. Uh, I can't remember. I think he was a second round pick you know, build his way up and, you know, built himself into someone who's now one of the franchise cornerstone type piece in the league. So obviously Jimmy Butler is an extreme example. You have to give these guys runway to see if they can sink or swim. Right. So that's my position on Christian Wood and, and you know, some of the issues he had. You're in the heat of a game. I, I see what he's saying, right? When you're playing a sports competitive, you want to win, you're going to be fired up. You may get in some heated disagreements as long as that doesn't run multiple games as long as you don't see him freezing out Armani freezing out Jalen green, you know, multiple games in a row. It's, it's not the end of the world for me, but I wonder though, ne- go ahead. Go ahead. Brian. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. I wonder like you're saying that these are really low stakes games and I agree, but there's only going to be these really low stakes games for so long and you're using them while they're not the most important on from a win or loss standpoint, they are important to, give these reps to the right people. And to me, the guy that's on a rookie contract for four years and then is restricted, any of the four guys that are like that, or the guy that has two more years, just like Christian Wood, and then is restricted, should be your priority to give these reps to and try to make them the leaders because those guys are for sure going to be here longer than, like, if you had to look at the odds, the odds those guys will be here longer are a lot higher than Christian Woods. So why why him? I don't understand this this notion that um, that just because he's older, he has to be the leader because, I don't know, it feels like he should be someone, I don't think there needs to be one leader. I think you can be a leader at 19 years old. You can be a leader at 20 years old. You can be a leader whenever. But... Um, you what what we need with these guys is someone that they can lean on not a leader per se you know i'm maybe not using the right words but you you want if if it were up to me you want to give these reps and mostly in-game situations not not the attitude part i mean the in-game part where where these isos happen and then the offense completely stagnates you're not teaching these guys good practices by doing that you're 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 showing jalen green that when the game's on the line, the best player on the team gets the ball in ISOs. And that's not, at least in my opinion, that's not the way to do it. 
um, when the game's on the line, you don't give the ball to your best player. When the game's on the line, you run what you know works for your system. And for us, that's pick and roll with Christian Wood and react to whatever the defense does about it. So to me, a good development practice would be to keep running plays when you're in the clutch, no matter if they're working or not, because ISO is the death of, of, of good basketball when, when you don't have a superstar like... I don't know, like yeah, Harden, Harden or, or very, very few guys in the league, you know. So just feel like even, even from even, yeah, even even from a developing standpoint, and even if you wanted to develop with, as a leader, this is not leadership, and and it's not. It can't be that hard to tell them, hey, dude, if you want to be the leader, play proper basketball down the stretch. The leader doesn't take the ball, hog the ball, and and do whatever he can do to win the game by himself just because he's the best player. The, the, the leader plays team basketball. I would say a, a guy that looks a lot more like a leader is someone like Keishan Tate, the man's more out of himself. And, and I, I'm not sure, I, I'm not with him in the locker room, but the man, when you see someone demand that much from himself on the defensive end, you see that guys follow that. And it should be the same way on the offensive end with Christian Wood. When you see that your best player is running the plays that the team needs to run to have a better shot at winning the game. That's what you're going to do when it's your turn to be the best player. And you shouldn't really try to foster like isolation basketball down the stretch just because you're the best player. And even that might be Argo at this point. So and he's doing so stuff like this. I think, I think it's two separate issues there. I think the on the court stuff, I would definitely agree. I think, I think again, so leadership styles not everyone's gonna have the same leadership style right you have people like michael jordan and kobe that have this real in your face aggressive leadership style and then you have someone like tim duncan right tim duncan by all accounts one of the better leaders that we've ever had in the league you know he stabilized the spurs franchise for you know almost 20 years but he was never like an in your face rah-rah type of guy he was someone that was more personable more like focused on like relationships with different players. Maybe a like set the example type. Maybe more yeah, of a set exactly. the example type. Yeah. And so even with Harden, right? When Harden was here, we had people that, you know, went back and forth on his leadership. But the one thing you always heard about James Harden was James Harden is the hardest worker in the organization. And when that, even if he's not, you know, a Kobe and Michael Jordan in your face type of leader, really that type of framework, just at least setting the tone from a working perspective that helps your organization from the top down. So when I say Christian Wood needs to try to be a leader and get leadership reps like that, I'm more talking about that type of thing, right? Coming in, setting the tone and, and for the organization, whether it's, whether his style is more Michael Jordan or more, it's Tim Duncan, letting him figure his way out in that sense on the court stuff. I definitely agree, right? Like you want to get Jalen those reps down the stretch because there was a lot of talk during the draft cycle about, you know, it's a guards league, things like that. Um, I think the time that that really shows through is in late game situations, right? Just because if you're a player that's a dependent player, you're going to, it's going to be more efficient. It's going to be more effective to have someone who is more of a shot creator to be leading those type of possessions. So, you know, Christian Wood, when Christian Woods really tried to be an on-ball creator, it hasn't looked amazing. And I think that's what we saw the last game. That's what we've seen earlier on in the season. When he went back towards that more of a linking, connecting player, he was very elite in that role and offense has looked very good. I would say he's the best in the league at it. 
is the best connector, like uh, it's the best offensive connector uh, center in the league. There's no one quite as good as him. Just flies away. It just goes away from it way too much. So we we've kind of ate up a lot of airtime. Cam, you you kind of uh, watched us go here. Do you have anything to close out on Christian Wood? I guess both made a lot of good points. Um, it's that's a fair point to give him give him a chance, give him more time, and I think that's what they're doing. Part of what I think the reason they're doing that for, and um, what's what's frustrating, Prod is is that they're maybe just building up his trade value too, or like giving him a chance to be the guy to see a if he can be the guy to give him that extension or boost up his stats, make him look like the guy so someone else will give us more assets for him. It uh, That can only last for so long, though. Like, I would hope that this experiment has an end date of the trade deadline versus end of the season and definitely not into next season. So that's kind of what the whole issue to me is here, is like when's the end date of this Christian Wood being the star of the team experiment? And hopefully it's – sooner than later. I mean, I think Prod has clearly seen enough. Um, I'm getting there and I don't know how the team feels, but hopefully they're getting there on an answer one way or another. Do you think, just a quick question for for Cam, Uh, do you think that uh, Silas wants him to ISO down the stretch or is it he's making the decision that he wants to ISO down the stretch? It doesn't feel like a very Silas type of way of running the offense you know he's more of a he usually likes more movement you know he usually complains when the yeah. offense goes into ice mode. i i think it's it's not silas i think it's it's wood and i think that's part of the the body language that i was talking about earlier that i don't like is that you can see him like demanding the ball sometimes and like asking for it or making it clear that he's open things like that at the end of the game um, or I don't think it's necessarily part of it. I think he also wants to prove that he's a star. He's probably aware of his situation and of this, you know, quote unquote experiment that I'm talking about that he wants a max. And if he wants, you know, to, or if he's going to be traded, he wants to go somewhere where they think he can be a max player too. So he's trying to show out as well. Like Don, you said earlier, some of these vets are, might be playing for, trade markets like eg is obviously one of them but i think wood kind of is too i think he knows the deal that he may not be in the cards long term so one point one kind of point of demarcation that may change the christian wood experience maybe when kpj comes back so we're going to touch on that in the next segment um so stick with us we'll be right back Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. And we're back for our final segment here with Prod and Cam again. So in the last segment, we kind of talked about you know Christian Wood and how long they're going to let that experiment roll on for one of the things that can alter the direction of that and alter the direction of, you know, how shots are really distributed among the team is KPJ coming back, right? Coming into the year, we had the whole KPJ as a point guard thing. And then we had, once he was out for a couple of games, he came back and then said, 
you know, maybe I just need to be KPJ. Maybe I don't need to be a traditional point guard. I just need to be a lead ball handler that can handle some, some playmaking duties as well. With KPJ coming back, um, Kelly Eco tweeted a couple days ago on December 18th that the Rockets are hopeful of a Kevin Porter Jr. return to the lineup before the end of the month, which we're getting close to now. Sources tell The Athletic that a tentative target date is 12-27 versus Charlotte. So that's the Rockets' next game. Prod, how are you feeling about KPJ coming back? Do you think it would fix any of the, the shot distribution? Do you think that KPJ is going to continue helping the spacing of the team? Do you think he's going to hurt the spacing of the team? Because he is a guy that hasn't shot the best this year either. You know, what, what are your thoughts on him coming back in the short term? to have someone that can read what the offense is that what the defense is, is doing and 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 make those reads and, and find the open guys is something that will be really important. I think above all what's going to be really important is KPK is someone that I think Christian would respect enough to run the actual pick and roll and just to spam it all the time because we saw that when they were doing the winning streak and maybe he just thinks that the guys that are like setting him up now don't know how to set him up. I mean Eric Gordon's never been a point guard he's trying to be one now um but yeah i think kbj is, is really the key and i love that he I, I think to start the season he was really set up for failure i think you could put pretty much i mean you could put the prototypical pass first point guard you could and for me that besides chris paul who can get his own shot for me that is ricky rubio if you put ricky rubio in kbj's position to start the year he would be not just as bad but he would be terrible as well just because it was the offense just didn't work and it was really hard to make the reads that he was expected to make. And now I think even if he tried to be um, a prototypical point guard, he'd do a lot better now. But I don't think that's what he is. I think he is that kind of hardened type shooting guard that gets his own. And when teams start reacting to him getting his own, he finds the guys that are that are like doubling and, and helping off and, and hits them for, for wide open shots. Um, I hope that to start the season we saw KPJ's shots looked a lot better and I think since then it's, it's kind of like regressed back to a little bit about what it was and you can see it, it, it's one of the best one of the best examples in the league for this. You can see if the shot's going in before he shoots it depending on how he sets his feet, how he like the time he takes to shoot the ball. And something that we haven't seen much from him is the step back three that he had a lot last year. So it's like this year he's really afraid to shoot it. And he he prefers to like just pull up into into his shot than to actually sizing up his defender, um, like trying like baiting with the crossover into the step back three. That's something that I think really got him in rhythm last year. And he, it was one of the keys uh, when he scored like three or four triples against Brook Lopez. Um, I think he stepped away from it, so I, I hope to see some of that back. And it's just, it's just sad that KPK does, has been injured so much because he's someone with so much potential and that really is really versatile and he's even blown me away with his defense this season compared to, last, to the last one. You just want him to get those reps to see like consistent development and when you're injured all the time you just can't get that so hopefully he from here on out he gets to be healthy and work on this game for sure cam how are you feeling about the 
potential KPJ return? I'm really excited to see him back in action. This is obviously going to change the dynamic of the team significantly. I mean, the guy has the ball in his hands a lot. And we haven't seen him play with Shingun as much because Shingun didn't get as many minutes earlier in the season when KPJ was healthy. So I'm excited to see multiple players with good vision, good passing out there, see if it helps the offense flow better, a little more of what, you know, Silas's vision is. Um, but I'm also, I'm also looking to looking at his shooting. It's been all his shooting numbers are down this year compared to last year. Like Prod said, they went down uh, throughout this year too. So hopefully he's been putting that time in with John Lucas or whoever else on the staff to fix whatever's going wrong or watch film, do something. Hopefully he's been using that time well to, to come back better because um, he's the numbers are, are a little bit ugly right now shot-wise. And, and also whether or not he's going to come back being KPJ or trying to be a point guard again. So a lot of question marks, but just excited to see how he's going to look. Probably will take a few games to see. Um, but it's just it's fun that our, our full team is finally kind of coming together now. And the hope would be him coming back, no longer having the double big Tice Christian Wood lineups that you're going to see his shooting numbers go up. You're going to see Jalen's shooting numbers go up. Obviously, Jalen shot incredibly last game, right? Even though the Pacers played the zone that was going to kind of limit his ability to get to the rim. You want to see those guys get high efficiency, high efficiency shots, sorry. Get shots at the rim, get stuff close in. And when they are taking threes, you know, getting efficient shots. You know, Prod said he wanted to see KPJ get some more step back threes. And you know, I, I think that's good for sure. But I think this year, I've seen a lot of KPJ shooting off the catch. I've seen KPJ kind of shooting a little bit of movement, not as much as Jalen. Jalen shot a lot of, of movement type of shots, but I'm fine with them trying to get him shots that are going to be more efficient in the long term and not just having him do the ISO on ball stuff. I think that's something that will help him longer term, not just this season. But someone you mentioned uh, in your little speech there was Shingun, right? Shingun really has come on since the winning streak started, really started to look good. Um, coming into the season, Jalen talked about wanting to be in the rookie of the year race. And, you know, there's still a lot of time for him to get back in the mix for that. You know, the last performance really, you know, going in his favor. But Shingun, right? Someone that has slowly crept up into that rookie of the year discussion. You know, how are you feeling about Shingun, Cam? How are you feeling about Shingun, you know, sneaking closer and closer into that rookie of the year race and discussion? I mean, I'm feeling crazy optimistic about Shingun. Like, I'm, I'm one of the people that I'm probably overexcited about him um, because I see, like, just great potential in him. The Jokic comparison is – I mean, it, you can call it lazy, but it, I think it's just so accurate. Like, it's – he really is that big guy at top of the key that can distribute incredible vision, incredible skill with his passing. Uh, rookie of the year race – I don't think he has a chance, unfortunately. I think it's a little bit too late. The other guys are a little too far ahead as far as their stats and their roles with their teams. And, you know, Shangun might not – I mean, he might. He probably won't even be averaging 34 minutes a game like who like Evan Mobley is um, in the last five to ten games of the season. So 
those guys just have a better opportunity. But if you extrapolate his numbers um, and his production to the amount of minutes that Mobley, Barnes, and Cade get, he'd be right up there. It would be a it would be a three four man race, and I personally think he would win it. And I think he would be an all star as well. Um, if you give this guy 35 minutes a game and let him do his thing from the top of the key. I mean, he could average a double, double with assists and not rebounds. Like that's how much I believe in, in Shangun. So unfortunately I don't think he'll be in that top mix because of the opportunities he gets. But if he had the opportunities, I think he'd be number one. Just to reiterate kind of a point you made there, Jalen green came back from month long injury, right? And was on a minutes restriction. His minutes restriction was still five minutes longer than what Shingun played minute minutes wise. Shingun played twenty minutes. Uh, Jalen Green on the minutes restriction still played twenty five. So Shingun just he's not going to get those big minutes. I've done a thread on Twitter. Um, I'm actually need to update it right now, but the Shingun minutes tracker thread just to see what it looks like game after game to kind of check in on that what it's looking like. Um, you know, after different segments of of games, but he is trending higher for a while he was trending you know back down which everyone was really concerned about he had the one game where he got like five minutes uh which was definitely concerning but um even the last two games he's been above 18 which is what his average is close to so he's going to be trending up again because of the last couple of games prod we'll jump back over to you you know how are you feeling about shingun right now how are you feeling about him in the rookie of the year discussion uh, go ahead yeah, something that, that worries me is how much not of a priority he is. He has shown to be good enough. He's shown to be good enough before coming into the NBA, and it really worries me about how this team works like in the long run with more draft picks because this guy should be a priority. And when he's on the court, the, the offense should all run through him. I, I think there was some, some clatter that the Rockets were not like running it all through him because they wanted him to become a better off the ball big. And I think that's just overthinking it. You have a guy this good, you should give him all of the reps and you make him 100% the guy that you can go to. And then after that, you teach him how to be an off ball big. I think this this is like, the people are, I think the Dorcas are overthinking it a little bit. I think it goes, he, like when even when he gets his short minutes, a lot of the time, they're not running the offense through him. Like it, he goes and and sometimes he gets some silly turnovers and, and some silly shots, and he tries to back people up from all the way to, on the three point line. Just because sometimes he, I bet you he feels like, hey, they're not giving me the ball. I'm getting post position. I'm not getting fed. And people are like fronting me, and nobody can throw the pass behind, like between me and the basket for me to get an easy layup. And sometimes it just feels like he's doing too much because the team doesn't know how to set him up. And I think it should be a priority for them to know how to set him up because he's proven to be, I mean, so far better than Jalen. So he should be treated as such. And it's another one of those things where I cannot wait for the deadline for them to have no other option other than to run the offense through him when he's on the floor. Because it really feels like at this point, it's up to Stone to like force the team to run through him when he's on the court by trading all of the players that the offense is running through when he's on the court instead, you know, because he, 
any other team in the league, and and Jokic was a big a big uh, example of this. Jokic was the second round pick, and the Nuggets were not afraid of of running the offense through him in sports, and he was a second round pick. Jokic was um, Sengun was the the 16th pick, so he should be from the get go getting getting more opportunities, and that's how you build these one of a kind players. You 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 put the time into them. You you. You do your best to know what you what you have, and playing him 18 minutes a game is not knowing what you have. And when you play him, like go th- go make the offense go through him for the first three or four minutes, and then him like not touching the ball besides uh, at the top of the key for <laughs> what feels like an eternity is also not the way of, of seeing it. Because down the line, if he is to become a primary option on offense. He's going to be need to be reliable doing it for long periods of time. So, moving on to the Rockets' next couple of games, we're going to close this out with uh, a little preview. They're going into a back-to-back against the Hornets and the Lakers. The Hornets right now, unfortunately, this is the the nature of the game right now. Um, the Hornets only have Cody Martin in the health and safety protocols. The Lakers have Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, Kendrick Nunn, Austin Reeves um, in health and safety protocols. Anthony Davis is out with a knee injury, sprained MCL, and LeBron is playing, but currently day-to-day with an abdomen injury. So, you know, Lakers are missing a, a few guys there. The Hornets aren't missing as many. Prod, we'll go to you first here. You know, what are your thoughts on, on the Hornets and the Lakers games? Um how do you see those playing out? Uh, how do you see, you know, KPJ and Jalen looking? Because KPJ should return in one of these games. Um, which do you, you can speculate on which game you think it may be and you know, how you think the Rockets are going to look against these teams real quick? Yeah, I think, I think he probably comes back on the Lakers game just because that's how they did it with Jalen. We had the back-to-back against the Bucks and the Pacers and they brought him on on the second one. Uh, so that's pure speculation. Uh, the Lakers are also, to me, probably the, the easier opponent to beat off the two. I know, I know that the Hornets have been on a slump, but they also had a lot of people out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's two winnable games for sure. But because those these teams are are, are in slumps, but we really relied on some really hot shooting to to beat the Hornets last time we. It was some crazy run gun game they went into overtime. So, if <laughs> it's really tough because the Hornets are also uh, a team that doesn't have a big man that they play, I think they have Plumlee, but I mean, I don't think he even plays, so they run a, a lot of small ball and stuff like that. And so, that should be a team that you can exploit by giving Christian with the ball, you, that you can exploit by giving Sengun the ball and, and, and having them like run the show. So hopefully that's what happens against the Hornets. And then against the Lakers, they're just a just a really old team with a lot of vets. So he's one of those teams that you should uh, employ the, the silence philosophy of, of running the four a lot. And we saw one of the games that we played against them last time, I think that it was two in a row, that we, we stayed in the game because we kept running and they kept running back at us, but we were the younger team. So we were able to to keep up with them. What was supposed to be a championship contender back then, when we really shouldn't. And if KPJ is like, I, I really wonder how he's going to do guarding LeBron because that's what he did last time. And 
this is I mean, this is not a comparison, but the archetype for LeBron at point guard and KPJ at point guard are, are pretty close when it comes to defensively because LeBron is a really tall point guard that should that should probably be a wing and started his career his career out as a wing, and KPJ is also someone who's a, a lot taller than your average point guard and started his career out as a wing. So it's 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 what's normally a mismatch probably isn't as much as of a mismatch against the Rockets. So going back to your Plumlee point, Plumlee was inactive for a stretch of games from uh, November 26th through December 13th, and he has been playing a little bit more recently. Uh, Looks like he's averaging between 16 and 25 minutes over the last five games, but, you know, not someone who you really have to game plan for or really be concerned about, especially when your big rotation is Christian Wood and Alperin Shingun, right? Those are two guys who should be able to take advantage of that matchup and look very good in it. Uh, Cam, we'll go over to you now. You know, how are you feeling about these two games? How are you feeling about, um, you think KBJ is going to come back in the first or the second game? We're doing complete reckless, reckless speculation on that. Uh, and you know, how do you like the Rockets chances in these two games? Yeah, I hope he comes back, uh, for the Hornets game because I really want to see him guard LaMelo again. Um, LaMelo, I think had really bad shooting night. Last time we played them, I think it was like under 40%, but he did have a triple-double, but I don't know. I like how KBJ guarded him. Um, would still be nice to see him guard LeBron too, of course. And I think Prod is right that they'll probably bring him back for the Lakers game, although there's also a Heat game on, I think, New Year's Eve that could be yeah. his return. So um, I don't know. That plays a lot into it. KBJ played a lot last time we played them. And I don't think Shangun played very much, played um, 12 minutes. So it's a could be a completely different team for us versus last time if KPJ's out and Shangun hopefully gets 20, 25 minutes. And uh, Green, of course, uh, will will be back. So um, chances, I think we'll we'll beat both. To be honest, um, I'm ever optimistic, but. These aren't two of the better or better teams that we're going to be playing against. Um, and I think Jalen will continue to be hot coming off of his injury and his new shot. And he seems pretty confident right now. So I'm expecting a big game from Jalen in one of these two, like, you know, like over 25 points. And uh, yeah, just hoping KPJ is back because those are two good matchups to for him to bring his defensive energy back to the team. So the Lakers are currently getting slapped around by the Brooklyn Nets uh, on Christmas. So they're going to be, you know, reeling from that, wanting to get a win. Obviously, LeBron should still be playing at that time. I think for me, the interest in these two games is kind of like we touched on before. What does the shot distribution look like? How does KPJ look in terms of getting those guys shots? How much Jalen are we seeing? Because you know, Jalen was very hot last game, had a great shooting night, and he had the hot game against Boston as well, where he just like really went crazy shooting from three. I want to see how they get him involved if he's not on a hot shooting night, right? Because he's someone you you want to see him getting involved with Shingoon as a slasher. You want to see him getting involved, you know, attacking the rim. That was really what he came in as, not so much as a, a shooter you don't think of him as like a clay Thompson archetype, right. Or, or even someone like Garrison Matthews, right. That's not what you imagine when Jalen green got drafted. You imagine someone who's going to get downhill, put a lot of pressure on the rim. Um, 
and you know the playmaking was a big surprise like, a lot of people didn't see that playmaking developing even to the level it has now and he, he's not Ja Morant at this point even when Ja was the same uh the same age but I think that's been a big factor of his game recently has been how good of a playmaker he is and he didn't have a ton of touches in that capacity last game but I want to see him get some more on ball reps and with KBJ coming back that's going to be a little bit difficult to to kind of facilitate Eric Gordon's going to need some on ball reps as well but I think they're going to just the way the season shook out, right? Where you had a lot of these guys out for so long. You had a lot of people that got time touching the ball and, and doing some creation, right? Yeah. Armani Brooks growing as like a driver. You have Garrison Matthews now learning how to use his scoring gravity to attack the rim and, and do different things like that, you know, reset in, into threes after the defense closed down on him hard. But with that, now you don't have to have KPJ do everything for the team the way Harden did. You can have Shingun doing some creation, Eric Gordon doing some creation, Jalen doing some creation, DJ Augustine. So you can have a more egalitarian offense. And I think that's what Steven Silas really wants. He doesn't want to have one guy, you know, be that Harden or even like a Luka type of figure. He wants to have multiple creators. And we've seen with the team like the Warriors, right, where Steph Curry's really their main guy. But Steph Curry was never – really that type of heliocentric player he did his damage off ball they had draymond green doing a lot of the handling they had even andre gudala doing a lot of the handling they like to run some post split type of stuff um to get the bigs involved in the passing as well and i think this rocket team obviously they're not going to be the steph and kd warriors but i think they can emulate that now by having so many guys that can dribble pass and shoot you can utilize those skills and have not necessarily one guy be totally responsible so if you have a night where you know kind of looking back to the Harden time where you know Harden's not feeling it we've seen these guys are on this big stretch of games you know I think it's like nine games in uh like 14 days or something it's, it's a lot of games by having a bunch of different creators you can take that burden off of one guy but in these next two games that's really what I'm looking for who's doing the creation how are they splitting it up um and you know what does that look like because with everyone back I think that's really where we can see well, we're going to start to see what the real Silas vision for this offense is going to look like. Cause everyone's, everyone's rising right now. Everyone's looking good. And early on the season, a lot of the actions they were running just weren't, they weren't hitting, they weren't crisp the way they are now. And I think now you're going to start to see a lot of these guys really coming to their own with, with KPJ back. But um, you know, we've, we've gone long here. Hopefully y'all enjoy uh, the content we gave you. We just threw this together every last minute. Uh, I want to say thanks to Cam, you know, for just hopping on with us spur of the moment on Christmas too, you know, real team player. Um, enjoyed having you on Cam for sure, but we're going to wrap now. So Cam, if you, well, if you have anything to plug, go ahead and plug it. If you want to just, you know, shout your Twitter out and say bye to everyone, go ahead. Um, and then we'll go to prod and close. So. Yeah. I don't have anything special to, to plug other than my Twitter. So at H town cam, Follow me, hit me up. Thank you guys for having me. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm ready to do it again when y'all are. Appreciate it. Yeah, we'll have to run it back at some point. Prod, go ahead and tell the people they can find your stuff as well. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at probably NBA without the Y. Um, everything I do from podcasts to, to Twitter spaces to uh, articles will find its, its way away there. And of course, y'all can follow me on here at Don Knock and on the Air app at Don Knock as well. Subscribe, rate, review the pod on Apple and Spotify. Most of y'all listen on Apple. We've seen the numbers. So uh, go ahead and, and leave us a review there. Follow the pod at Apollo Launchpad. Follow the Apollo HOU main account. 
and you know we had a lot of people get some great merch from apollo for christmas so if y'all have any merch that y'all got tweet at us and we'll we'll retweet that out and uh love to see that for sure but that's gonna do us for today until next time be safe and go rockets